welcome back to the uh, second podcast of the Inside Professionals. Uh, I'm Brandon Curry from Sunlight Financial. Josh Bond, Flet Vicario. Jeff Collins, Roy LePage Niagara. And Trevor Lindy, an independent mortgage broker. So, and so congratulations this week to Jay and... Mickey Olihan. Jay and Mickey Olihan for your questions today. You've just won either two bottles of wine or uh, two um, movie Passes. tickets. Movie tickets, passes for, you know, a nice little... I think nice little wine. Uh, yeah, date. Okay, cool. <laughs> Yeah, take the wine. Take the wine. So, uh, one of the questions that came up uh, is uh, a lawyer legal question. Um, Okay, so why does someone need a lawyer? Uh, What do you guys do for real estate transactions? Why do you need a lawyer to buy or sell? Yeah, why? Um, the the short answer is we run on in Ontario on a computerized system, and it's mandatory to have not one but actually two lawyers uh, on. Uh, involved in a real estate transaction unless one of a few exceptions apply. So a buyer and a seller traditionally uh, or or more currently has to have their own representation. Um, But the more depth to it though is there's so much involved. This is a lot of individuals most important or valuable asset um, there's uh, on the purchase side a variety of searches that have to be completed uh, to ensure that there's not liens that will carry forward on the property after they've purchased it or executions. Can, can you give an example of a lien? I've had that happen recently and it's a surprise that people don't think come up at all but it does come up quite a bit actually, right? Yes, there, there's a variety of different liens. Anytime any money is owed for, for essentially anything, um, it could attach to the property through a lien vehicle or an execution against the individual's name. So it could be a huge renovation on a house, for example. Or could be a, a renovation. Contractor will put a lien on the property. Could, right? yeah. And you can, and it's possible you not know about that lien. Well, you, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't absolutely wouldn't know about it unless somebody brought it to your attention or you searched the, the what we call the PIN or property identification number for any registrations that are on title. Right, so it could be. So a contractor can go like you can hire on a contract. I want to make sure I'm understanding yep. it correctly, mm-hmm. and I want to gut my main floor. Correct. And yeah, yeah, we come to an agreement, and the contractor can go out and put a lien on the property without my knowledge, without my authorization, without Correct. even letting me know that that's part of his his or her business way of doing business, and I won't find out until someone. E- e- brings it to my attention or I go to sell the house. Am I understanding that? I think here's an example I had that recently where we had a house for sale and someone bought it from GTA. They came down, they bought it. It was all supposed to close and everything like that. And then they do the title search about a week before close, which is very common, right? Standard for it. And it was a husband and wife who were splitting who sold their house in the GTA. The wife was buying down here and their house was closing about a week difference between the house that they were buying and the house that they were selling. And the wife didn't realize, and I think this could be more common than people think, the wife didn't realize that the husband had owed over $100,000 to a contractor for renovation. So yep. on closing, on split, they're splitting their, their estate. She owed 50000 She owed 50000 She didn't have enough money for a down payment, and we didn't know that until the day before closing. And the only way it was caught was because the lawyer on the, on the closing, because the real estate agent, I didn't know at all. I don't, I don't search the banner nope, on that, and it's done yeah. in the title search. So that's one of the importances, I'd say, for it, right, to that, protect it. That, that's absolutely huge. That, that's the largest role of the lawyer when you're uh, purchasing a property is essentially to ensure that you get clean title. Okay, right. Title. So CRA liens, uh, okay. so if any monies are owed to the government for this, that, or the other, income tax, uh, you know, even possibly if you run a business on the side and, you know, you owe HST, well, you know, get into a different topic, but there's 
certain instances where the government can pierce the corporate veil and attach liability to a director okay. of a company, right? So, I mean, even mm -hmm. in your personal assets, there could be registrations for HST, source deductions for employees. Um, in terms of the renovation, a lot of times you will have some knowledge of it because a lot of times it's a contested contract. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so okay. somebody's come in and done work on your property and you refuse to pay it basically. you refuse to pay it or maybe you have a different understanding in terms of how much is owed, is owed to that contractor um they have a period of time with which they can just unilaterally go and register a construction lien against title to the property and the purpose of registering that construction lien is if you ever go to refinance there's perfection and there's there's a lot of legalities surrounding a lien but the, the whole crux of it is that um, if there is a lien registered against title to the property, uh, that has to be dealt with uh, prior to a purchaser purchasing the property. Okay. So if you're on for the the purchasing client, you most definitely want to have that addressed and because you want and take the house care. free and clear. We but want a personal income tax one could also be a lien on the property that stays with the house. Uh, CRA. Oh, CRA. Oh yeah. But but if, if it transferred, would it stay with the the social insurance number or would it stay with the property? It, it could attach any lien against the property or any execution. When I mean execution, that's somebody securing a judgment, so suing somebody and, and being successful uh, and then registering it against their name, that could piggyback onto the asset, so okay. the house. So someone could completely be ignorant of the fact that there is a lien on their property. Correct. And then the person selling the house is responsible to clear that lien. Absolutely. That. What if there's not enough money in the, the sale of the house to cover the lien on closing? Then then that's a huge issue, right? Okay. So that's right? what you need a lawyer for. Then yeah. you, you, you may, at that point in time, yeah, need a litigation lawyer, yeah, so. right? And then there's another question that you go to litigation lawyer, and there's another question that, that Jay and Mickey had. How many different types of lawyers are there? Yeah. Um, like you're not just super lawyer, you do everything lawyer? No. You're specific. Yeah, I mean, it, generally Your speaking, firm does a lot. Yes. Yeah, yeah so that's yes. the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Tax lawyer, real estate lawyer, yeah. litigation lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, there's essentially a lawyer for, for any need that you would need a lawyer for. So when, when you go to law school, you, you tend to try and specialize in, okay. in a field that you would uh, see yourself practicing in, but there's no requirement for you to do that. So you're clearly a real estate lawyer because I've done business with you myself. Yes. Yeah. What other fields do you cover? I also do contract law. Contract law. Yeah, commercial. Okay. So that's typical. A lot of lawyers would do... A, a couple. lot of that, and then someone would do litigation. Yes. You got the, the evil tax lawyer that yeah, they're trying yeah. to find and all that, too. So that's yeah. interesting, too. The, a lot of people have heard uh, barrister and solicitor. Okay. Right? So a solicitor is more of a paper pusher. Okay. Right? So they're in the office. They're doing corporate law. They're doing wills, estates. They're doing real estate. Real estate and then you've got more your uh, your your barristers who are more the litigious type right so they're the more in the courts and all that stuff. yeah, yeah that's more the wig that's a derivative from do you have a wig no, <laughs> no okay gotta ask it's yeah. natural yeah. <laughs> the wig comes from uh old, old, old english old, okay, yeah. right yeah. so and that's, that's where, where the concept big wig was was referred to as a, the here's, judge had the biggest wig. here's right? another so. big question that jay and mickey both had why are disbursements so high when you're closing a deal you see the lawyer fee and i understand that's there yes there is there is 
land transfer tax, which because they always ask what's the closing cost, and we can't really guess. And I always say, yep. you should get an estimate so you get a more accurate. Because I know some lawyers are different than others, and some are very, you know, that's why I use you yep. because you're you're very forthright. But there's land and transfer tax, very consistent. <laughs> there's a lawyer fee, yeah. and then there's this beautiful name that's disbursements. And you're like, oh my god, I didn't know these disbursements were that high. And there's yes. these 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 photocopies that are ninety five dollars, and yeah. you're like, you know, yeah. Where do they come from? And that'll vary from office to office. Okay. Um, so essentially, the, the, the whole purpose of a disbursement is an out-of-pocket expense that the lawyer has assumed on the client's behalf. So you're pay, they're paying you back, essentially. Yes. So to give you an example, if I'm acting for a purchaser and I search their names to make sure mm -hmm. that there's no, yeah. no judgments registered against yeah. them and the, and the sellers. So there's three parties involved in the transaction. Well, it okay. cost me $11 to search each of their names. Okay, and that just passed on to the, the buyer for Correct. With no? No, no, I mean... Well, it depends. Some lawyers could possibly do that out there, right? I, I, I suppose so. Because I, mean, I think the magical word in real estate is it's going to be closing costs, lawyer fees, and disbursements. Yeah. You just, I, mean, yes. I don't know the disbursements, so I have no yes. idea. So I mean, it's technically... It's passed on costs that are incurred that correct. you're not paying for it, but you're doing it, so you're getting but, paid back. Clients should be aware that they should be itemized disbursements. Okay. Right? So, so if you're not getting itemized, then you should ask the question. You, you, you should ask a little bit further if there's just a set amount for disbursements. Sometimes what you will see is a general entry as a disbursement, say, for uh, phone calls okay. or, or photocopies. Yeah. That's a little bit more of the palatable way, as everybody could comprehend that paper's not free. Yep. So Ink's definitely not free. Right. Ink, uh, the power to run the photocopier, mm -hmm. whatever you will, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of lawyers will put $5 for, for photocopies okay. or something like that. Um, so, well, thanks for that. That's, yeah. that's, uh, but no, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's people's most important asset. Most people do it right. And, and really in Ontario, you cannot mm -hmm. buy or sell a house and close and change, change title without a lawyer in Ontario. You're required by law. To affect the transfer electronically, okay. and lawyers have the right. And ultimately, you're there to protect them. That, that's that's why you're there to protect them to get free and clear title on clothes, right? Well, so that's that's it's important because you don't want to get a hundred thousand dollar thing that you inherit with a house that you don't know about. Correct. I mean, no. realistically, think about it. My hourly rate is around the four hundred dollar mark, mm -hmm. and the average real estate transaction will cost you around. $1,000 for the legal fee. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't think that I have two hours into each one of my files, yeah. I, I'd be more than happy to sit with anybody and yeah, explain for sure. You know what, what's occupied my time for two hours yeah. in prepping a file and meeting with the client. Yeah. Um, the other question is a real estate question. Okay. All right. Ready, ready for it? Yeah. Ready? All right. So like how can someone, you know, especially in Niagara right now, mm -hmm. uh, actually in a lot of areas, but uh, real estate's just going through the roof yep. right now. So how can someone um, ensure that they can make some money? Maybe making some money is the wrong word, mm -hmm. uh, but that's how the question came across on their purchase. Better what, call Collins. Better. <laughs> that, no, that's a make good question. A sound could, investment, could, I guess. Nobody right? wants to buy a house and lose money. And I, I think when you're buying real estate, at least for personal residents, yeah. it's more of a long-term game, right? So I think in Niagara, you still have to find the right formula to buy a house. And I, there's certain rules that I like to live by that, that they'll say for certain houses to buy that you want to find something that maximizes the value. So when you're buying a house, I like to play the percentages. What do the most amount of people want? And I'd say in Niagara, for example, you don't have to, in Niagara, bungalows are very popular. And yeah. the reason bungalows are very popular is there could be a first-time buyer that owns it. 
It could be a second time buyer, third time buyer, downsizer, empty nester, family, four kids, three kids, two kids, whatever you want. Everybody wants it. When you go to a two-story, for example, I'm not saying don't buy two stories. No, no. Everyone's got their own preference, but you know, if you want to maximize money, this is what you do. Two stories, older people who have bad legs, bad knees, they won't touch them. Okay? Families are typically two-story houses because the kids are upstairs, they go to bed. You come downstairs, you entertain. If you really want to get a little bit wild, you go in the basement, you know, yeah. so you're two floors away from it. But when you're buying a house, I, I think there's two ways to do it, and this is this is completely my opinion on there. When you're buying a house, you want to buy an undervalued house. And how do you find an undervalued house? It's not well taken care of. So maybe it needs a new furnace, new windows, bad roof, especially bad roof. If someone sees a roof that's coming up, and you know there's water coming in there, I say, oh my God, this house is going to fall apart. And I think buyers tend to overinflate or overestimate the cost of repairs. And if you have a, a savvy real estate agent, you can have an idea of the cost of it. So foundation costs to repair, uh, windows, roof, furnace, uh, air conditioner, uh, flooring, drywall, you know, a hole in the drywall. People, oh my gosh, it's $2,000 VIX. No, it's, if you know what you're doing or you have someone who can do it, it's very affordable. But on the other side of the coin, when you're buying a house, people typically buy the move-in ready house. And you see staging. I'm a guy who really likes staging because I want to make top dollar for my seller. And and uh, I'll say, you know, professionally stage, professionally photograph, professionally sell the house. If it's move-in ready, more people will bid on it because they don't want to do the work. People don't have enough time. And I don't blame them. I don't have any time. Mm -hmm. I think if you uh, have a move-in ready house, you can overpay for it because more people will bid on it in a... In a temperature of the market like right now you'll have five people to love it. it's got brand new granite countertops brand new hardwood floors freshly painted old windows but they look clean you know so it's moving ready it's got lipstick on a pig kind of thing going on and people overpay for it whereas i find a house that's a beautiful bungalow and a cul-de-sac i know a couple examples out there right now it's got good bones good bones that's a, that's a very good uh, uh way to look at it good bones is great because you could paint it, you it's could put cosmetic. new floors down, change some doors, maybe throw a new furnace and air conditioner, and boom, you got a great house. But the beauty of those, those non-move-in-ready houses that have good bones, they're more negotiable. The move-in-ready you overpay for, because yeah. more people want it. The ones that have good bones but aren't cosmetically ready or, or appealing uh, to the buyers, they'll sit and they'll wait and they'll come down in price. And, and there's an example out there that I know of and it, it wasn't cleared out, for example. So it's got a lot of clutter in there, a lot of hoarding in there, a lot of outdated cosmetics. It's got green carpet. Everybody knows that house. It's got that, that uh, um, purple or, or teal <laughs> color, you know, tub and sink yeah. and all that, and a toilet that doesn't even have a back or anything like that, and, and windows that people are scared that they can't even open up or close anymore. And they're all affordable things to fix, but nobody wants to do it, and they don't know the cost of it. So if I walk through it, I'll say, that might cost you $20,000. And the house is listed at, let's say, hypothetically $340,000. is a typical bungalow that could be in Welland out there. And it might need, let's say, $20,000 worth of work to fix it up. Now, say you could negotiate $20,000 off that $340,000 house, and now really you get it for $320,000, but you add the $20,000 back, which it's a program that, that Trevor and I do a lot for people. It's called Head Start Home Buying, where the bank actually gives the money for it. But let's say you put that $20,000 in there, and then you've, you've cosmetically updated it, it might be more appealing where now someone will pay 350 for it or 360 for it, right? Because you've done the right things. You gotta know what the right things are. 
So but when buying, I like to buy rundown. When selling, I like to stage and to stage it and make it look moving. So ready. I, I got a, I got a. What, how long have we been recording for? <clears throat> Just because I know people tune out. And, About eighteen you know. minutes right now. Okay, so very quickly, yep. you got two minutes to answer this question because I don't want to go over. That. I can do okay. a lot of things. Two minutes. What is the, the common misconception? Uh-huh. Is the house is just listed, so we can't negotiate the price. You know that you the, 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 oh, yeah. I hire on uh, Jeff Collins, and the house just hit the market. Or we can't lowball because that'd be insulting to the buyer or to the seller. Can you just address that quickly? I agree with you. Okay. I think when it's new listed, you got to put yourself in the shoes of the seller. And I think when you're a salesperson, you got to empathize with whatever you're doing. So if if you've talked to several agents, yep, and this happens all the time. You got two agents that give you a certain price, and you've got the one agent that tends to be the highest price. Unfortunately, in most cases, the person will take the highest price. Back. Sure, of course. But that salesperson has convinced that seller that that's the price it's worth. Okay, so now it goes in the market, and I'm not saying you can't negotiate it, but it takes time for that negotiation in the seller's head to go down. So day one, it's listed at 340, for example, and day one, someone goes in and says, you know what, I'll get it for 320 or 310. It's not going to happen because they are gun ho. That's the price they're going to get. Yep. And, and honestly, when I set a price, I say it should be able to go 10000 higher or 10000 below. That should be about range. The, the range you should be able to do it. And I'm not always right with it, but I'm very close. And, and really, your number one job as a real estate agent, besides customer service, should be market value. You know, and you doing your a lot research of other and making up that. Yeah, there's 25 other things me. I have to do as a real estate yeah, agent, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you got to know that. So day one is listed, and you say, well... Well, someone will come in 20,000 below. No, no. They'll wait and wait and wait. And there'll be all these buyers out there saying, you know what? I don't mind that house, but I'm going to wait because they are gun ho about that price. So until it drops down, they're not going to go win for a low ball. I think on a $340,000 house, it's very hard to get 20000 off. I think you can get 10000 off, potentially even 15000 if you're good at negotiation. And not everybody's good at negotiation, but the bulk, and I always play the percentages, are someone who's sitting in the weeds lurking there for it to drop in price. Unfortunately, if it doesn't drop quick enough, yeah. what everybody will think is the same thing. If the house has been in the market and hasn't dropped in price, what do you think most people think? What yeah. do you think? Everyone thinks there's something wrong, wrong with, with the house. house. Yeah. Not that it's overpriced. There's something wrong with the house. So they'll sit in the weeds waiting for it. And eventually it might drop and then you get the sale. But if you wait too long, you're not going to adjust. So to sum it back up, will people try to negotiate and get $20,000 off a brand new listed house? No. Most agents won't bother. Okay. okay, you might find someone who does it out there, but they're probably not going to get an accepted offer, and they'll probably get insulted and not even reply to an offer. Fair enough. And that's what could happen. Okay. So, but generally speaking, then, it really depends on the individual buyer or seller. Yeah. Right? In terms of But the individual how, how buyer could say, well, let's go in 20000 below list no, on day one. Of, boom. In terms of how they can make money on their real estate, right? Well, if because you got the right... Because sometimes it's a flipper. Yeah. Sometimes it's a long-term investment. Yeah. So you have to kind of know your... There's a lot of yeah. rules about it that you can find out. Really, you got to talk to an experienced agent. I'm not the only experienced agent out there, but talk to your agent because an agent's selling anywhere from 20 to 60 houses a year. They do it on a regular daily basis, and they're going to know if you can make money or not make money on it just by going through with it. And it's the same with a lawyer, right? Yeah. We, we, we same with a lawyer, same with two, a... Two, three hundred transactions, four hundred transactions yeah. a year. We're very familiar with I can in terms smell when I can make money on it right away, and I can yeah. smell one that's going to be a loser right away, too. Perfect. So. Well, that wraps out uh, wraps up week number uh, two or the second podcast of uh, the Professional Insiders. Mm-hmm. So uh, stay tuned uh, for next podcast where we're going to tackle another two sets of questions with uh, our and, industry. Please keep your questions coming. Yeah, please yeah, keep absolutely. your questions coming, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks for your interest. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Hey, 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 hey. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.